Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. Again, welcome to Calvary. I'm, glad that, I'm so glad to have you here. Good to see your uh, beautiful faces, and uh, I'm glad that you're here. But also those that are joining with us online, live stream, thank you for being with us as a part of Calvary and worship together today. I tell you what, I'm really excited for us to open the Word and see what God has for us. I've been praying for this service, for the, for you individually, not knowing that all of us are going to be here, but just praying for everyone to be here that our hearts are really uh, ready to hear what God has for us. So I'm excited about what we're going to hear today. Uh, we've been talking the last few weeks about this topic called the Father's House. And we've been looking at what that means to us. I, I gave you a book recommendation, a, a book by the name of Not Forsaken by Louis Giglio. It's a lot of great truths about Father that would be great follow-up to what we've been learning these last few weeks. But what we're talking about, the Father's house and how special that is to us. But what we learned last week was, was this, that the Father's house is really more than a, a place, a, a geographical location. Now sometimes Jesus used the term, and sometimes he had a location that he pointed to, but even when he did, it was always more than that. It was more than just a, a, a place, a location. It was a, a relationship. It was the fact of, of who God is and the fact that we can know him and we can have that kind of a connection with a loving, heavenly, perfect father. That's what we mean when we're talking about the father's house. So today, as we move into this idea of the father's house, our topic is going to be like father, like son. Or like parent, like like father, like daughter, like the, the idea, and, and you'll, you'll see some pictures up here of some things that are kind of examined in that, right? The idea of when kids imitate their parents. So those of you who are parents, you, you've been there, you've watched your kids, sometimes they just they just see what you do and they, they repeat it, right? Uh, my, my little granddaughter, Riley, she, she does a lot of great, she's a funny kid, but she came out one day and she had chocolate pudding just smeared all over her face. Well, if you know her dad, Carlos, he's got this big, strong beard, and she put this chocolate all over her face and goes, hi, I'm Carlos, right? Okay? So you understand what I'm getting at. It's, it's about just seeing what mom and dad do and, and repeating it. And, and sometimes when we use the phrase, boy, you act just like your mother, or you act just like your father. That's not always the best thing, right? Uh, you act father's side of the family, right? We're getting it. But it's that point of we're seeing kids do what parents do. And taking that step, using expression, using the, and it's all because they're just following after what their parents have done. Here's what we learned about the father's house. Our, our idea today, if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, we're looking at Ephesians, and mostly chapter number 5. And I want you to hear these first words of, the, of this chapter, verse number one. Look what Paul says. Therefore, be imitators of God. Circle that word imitators. Be imitators of God as beloved children. God the Father, and now he tells us his children to imitate me. Be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We're talking about imitating, and here's what I want you to say, children of God, this is really a, a good news verse for us. You're going to, maybe if we get into it, you'll think, this is tough, but I want you to think on this side what this means. It means that God, Heavenly Father, is knowable to us. 
If we're going to imitate him, we've got to be able to see. We've got to be able to, to know how he acts and we can't act like him. So that means we can actually know God in that personal of a way that we can ultimately then imitate. But let's look at this phrase, imitators of God. Let's talk about what that means for just a minute. The word itself, or the idea, in the Greek is a word we get our English word mimic from. And so it's the idea of that you use the word mimic or imitator or follower or even an actor, someone putting a, a, a looking like someone else. I'm not talking about some comedian who gives impressions, you know, and they're just in some false way trying to, to mimic the action. What we're talking about is a child looking at the parent and saying, I'm, I'm going to act like that. I'm going to, I'm going to act the way that mom and, and dad do. For us as parents, it's a huge compliment. To think about it, it's like, wow, this, this little urchin wants to be like me. It's also a little uncomfortable sometimes, because when some things come out of their mouth, you go, where did they get they, Their mother must have been talking to them again, right? There are some things that we hope that they don't mimic, but they do. It's a compliment, but it's also very natural. The relationship that we have with our kids, that respect that they have, is that they want to be like you. They want to be like mom and dad. So think about this relationship. Again, it means that God is approachable. God is knowable. God wants you to look like him. He wants you to gather that, that understanding as a father and as a child. Your, your version, different translations say, uh, rather than imitator, they may say be a follower of God. Or one version says, follow God's example. It means do what I do. Walk the way I walk. Live the way that I'm showing you how to live. It's, it's an action step that God says that we as his children are to do. Now, think about this. It makes a lot of sense when you look back at even the life of Jesus, you know, the son come from heaven in relationship with his father, and how he connects this, this relationship in a very specific way. Let me show you a verse, John 5, verse 19. Jesus gave, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. In other words, when I see what I see dad do, I repeat it. I am simply doing what I have seen my father give me an example to do. Jesus watching his dad. Now, be honest, we know Jesus was perfect. We're never going to have the perfect following of God, but what he's what he's shown us and what we've got to realize, if you say I'm a child of God then that means your life, your, the way that you live, ought to resemble your father. It ought to be growing in a, in a likeness of who your father is, what God has done, what your life should look like. So that makes, makes a lot of things sense as we go into it and understand God makes this in the form of a command. This is our calling. This is our opportunity, believers, to act like that. But it's also our responsibility to act like that. We're called to, to look like our Father and make that kind of representation of their life. It's a, it's a direction. We're never going to be perfect in it, but it's the way in which our life should be progressing. Let me, let me show you this verse in these verses. Paul kind of describes this imitating God with two very specific phrases. The first one, he says, as we already read it, is to walk or that's to live, to live the lifestyle, walk in love. And he, he goes on to the verse, as Christ loved us and gave up himself, or gave himself up for us. Now, the last two Sundays, if you've been here, we've spent the majority of the time just 
talking about the incredible love of God. And the truth is, that's just, it's just overwhelming sometimes when you think about how much God loves us and what He's done for us and what He, he and it's not just that God loves and He gives, but He, he lavishes on us. He pours out his love on us. It's this idea of just being, just being flooded with the love of God when we think of what he has done in our lives and his generosity and even his sacrifice. Did you notice in this verse that he, part, he goes back to explaining that how far he will go for his love for you. That he actually sent his son, gave his son as a sacrifice. That's the extent. That's, the, that's how much God loves you. God gave his only son in your behalf and the son would then uh, gave his life for you. So understanding that, understanding that, that God has that kind of love, then it only stands to reason. It only makes sense that if we're going to look like that, our Abba Father, we're going to have to have some kind of change in the way that we love. If God is this, this uh, one who loves, then we're going to look like Him. Love is going to be a part. We're going to be walking in love. If you remember this verse, 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. He's the source of love. He, we see, he says later that he, he loved us first. Everyone who loves, though, look at this, has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. For a Christian to say that I know God, He is my Father, and not be growing in love, there's a problem there. Because if God is love, and we're acting like that, then our love is going to have to continue to grow and to change. That's how important this idea is. We, we know that He is the source. He is where we get our love from. We love because He loved us. But that Ephesians 5 then also says that His love becomes the standard for our love. We're to love others as Christ loved us. Think about it. We talk about having the great sacrifice of Christ. Now He says, now I want you to love others the same way. I want you to walk in love. You're going to look like me, but you're going to be loving the way that I love. And he, he, this is how he makes it possible for us to love in any form the way he does is because he pours out his love on us, and then he says, now walk in that love. Take what you have received and give that love to others. Here's what we know. Love, from the beginning of Christianity, has been a sincere mark of identification for believers. Jesus said in John 13, they will know you're my disciples when you love one another. That's a mark of being a Christian, is that your love is growing. Let me, let me share what I, I think to be true. In my lifetime, my 25 years or so, you know, what my lifetime here on earth, okay, do the math, I'm lying, but okay, do, do you understand? In my lifetime, I don't believe there's ever been a time when the world needed to see true, genuine love more than it needs right now. What does that mean, children of God? It means they need, the world needs Christians looking like the Father. It needs Christians acting in love like God is. All the hatred, all the, the issues, there needs to be a difference. And that starts with us, His children, loving Walking in love, loving the way that Christ loves us. Now, Paul gives, a, I think, a couple of even further explanations, maybe, of what this love would look like. Let me see if you can identify with either of these. If you were to back up right before he says, walk in love, 
He ends chapter number four with some specific things that are the, the ideas of what this would look like in a daily basis to walk in love. Ephesians chapter four, look at these. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Those shouldn't be part of our vocabulary. Those shouldn't be part of the way we act. If we're going to walk in love, then bitterness, wrath, those things should go away. Slander, whether that's in your words, your reaction to your family, your reaction to your neighbor, your social media account, those words should, those things shouldn't be there. But look at the next part. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is how we walk in love with, with the people around us. That we, we live in such a way and we act and we talk and we react in such a way and we, we show that, that Christ is love and we're showing that kind of love to others. Let's make it even a little more personal. Let's, let's just imagine that you may have a person in your life that's hard to love. <laughs> Everybody's amazed. Just gave, I can see the smile of God. Don't look at them if they're in the room. Especially if they're sitting next to you. Don't look at them. That just gives... You, there's somebody in your life that's hard to love. Okay, if you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Christ, it doesn't really matter. You know what? I, I, I don't have to love them. They're jerks. I don't have to love people like that. I, I might be, you know, polite to them, but I have no reason to do anything else. Love means I'm going to actually go on my way and do the best interest, do something for them to show love. I don't need that. But if you're a follower of Christ, you're a child of God, you're a child of the King, walking in love, you don't have that option. God has called you to walk in love with those who are hard to love. That means you're not going to use some of those terms and you're going to be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving as Christ forgave you. You see, that's, you say, that's really hard, that's difficult. I, yes, absolutely. Because uh, the one that's hard to love could be you tomorrow. Correct? Some days all of us are a little hard to love. And God has called us to love in such a way that, that, that His love shows. But it's not about you just trying a little harder and, oh, I've got to grit my teeth. I'm going to love them today. Here's what, where you start. Remember that you have been loved by God. Remember you're a child of God. And he has poured His love out on you. And as you begin to soak in that realization, then He says, now take all that love that has been given to you and give it to someone else. I get the picture of a waterfall. I think this is just a, a beautiful understanding of what we, that's God's love to us. We stand under this amazing shower of love that we do not deserve, we cannot earn, and he just pours it out on us as his children. Now here's what he said. You look at that. You are just soaked. Now take some of that love that I've given to you and give it to someone else who's part of love. Because... God will have to remind you that you're not always easy to love. You've been a jerk once in a while. And God, love, take that love he's poured on you and share it with others. Walk in love. But that's not the only way that Paul describes this imitating God. You keep on walking down this passage. The next verse after walk in love, he takes it a little different direction. I find it very interesting. He says, the imitators of God walk in love. But now, he says, but, so he's connecting it to that phrase, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Now remember, we're looking at this, this whole context. He says, be imitators of your father. Walk in love. And then he, he'll spend the next several verses focusing on these three specific areas. Now when I look at that list, I go to the last one, covetousness. 
which covetous coveting is basically wanting what someone else has, and I, I want your stuff, nice, I want your car, and hope you have enough money. I, mean, I, I can see how that's not very love. Makes sense. But how in the world do you fit anything about loving into sexual immorality and impurity? What's Paul trying to share with us about this understanding? If, if we're to love, walk in love, it's treating people the way they should be treated. But what does this have to do with anything? Now here, here's what I know we're going to have to do. Whether you're watching out online or in this room, you have to kind of change the channels of your mind a little bit because we have been fed for years. I would say at least since the 60s, an agenda about this topic of sex that is not only destructive, it's completely anti-biblical. All right, so we've been fed this line, but we've been fed it so often that we may not even realize that we're not believing the truth about this. Let's just, let's just make it clear. What we, if we were to say what sexual morality is, what it means to be morally in that department, here would be God's description. God made sex as a beautiful, wonderful gift to be enjoyed by a man and a woman married in a, relation, in a covenant relationship. That's God's, that's sexual morality. In fact, Genesis 2, he made it very clear. He said, a man leaves father and mother, that he leaves home, he goes out on his own, he then clings to, or he cleaves to, or he connects, he joins, he enters into commitment with his wife, and then the two become one flesh. But there's an order there. You leave, you join, then you become one flesh. That's God's plan. That's morality. That's how God is set up from the beginning. And what we and, and that none of that has changed. That's God's eternal principle. So stands to reason again that anything other than God's design would be sexual immorality. So anything, whether it's body, mind, words, actions, that does not line up with, with God's design. Anything outside of that, whether it's uh, before marriage or outside of marriage, all of that would then be immorality, would be impurity. And do you see what God said? God's not messing around. This shouldn't even be named among you, Christians. That's not becoming for sins. What he's saying is, walking in love, this kind of stuff, Christians, shouldn't be a part of us because it, it's simply not the way our Father looks. That's not imitating our Father. You see, I think it's, it's very interesting that he uses covetousness in this list along with immorality and impurity. Because remember what covetousness is? It's grasping for something that's not really yours. Do you understand that if you really love that person, that that intimacy you have is not for you until married. So if you take it before or outside of that, you've taken something that doesn't belong to you. That's covetousness. That's part of this whole immorality and purity. And God says, listen, Christians, that shouldn't be a part of our lives. You want to imitate your father. Walk in love. That means when you treat people the way they should be treated, and you take this idea of morality and purity seriously, because our culture doesn't, the world doesn't, but we should if we're going to act like our father. Walk in love. But he uses another, I think, interesting walking term in this passage. Verse 6, he talks about, don't be fooled. When people tell you, oh, don't listen to that. He says, what I'm telling you is true. Verse 7, he says, don't participate in things. And then verse 8, look what he says. For at one time, you were darkness. But look at this. But now you are light in the Lord. And here's our phrase. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. As Dolly uh, gave an object lesson, the desire for 
God's kids is that we please the Father. So this comes down to, I'm going to imitate my Father. I want to please Him. So here's what we think. We walk in love and we walk in light. That our lives should, be, should resemble our, our Father in such a way that our lives stand out. Our actions, our reactions, our attitudes, the things that we choose should stand in stark contrast to the darkness around us. Our, our lives should be this, this light that, that is, it, it, it may, people may not always appreciate it, but they can't ignore the fact that our, we're like, like our, our Father, father and, that's and that's what, what in God, God there's, there's no, no darkness, darkness at all. At all. So, so if we're going to look like our Father, in fact, here's how 1 John later says it. Not only is God his love, but he says God is light. In him, in him is no darkness, darkness at, all. at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet still walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If we can live our life with no change, then how in any way is that imitating our Father? He said he is without darkness at all, and our lives should be growing in the fact that we're not only walking in love, but we're walking in light, and it makes that kind of difference in the world around us. Back in Ephesians 5, verse 11, he says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. It's shameful to even speak of the things they do in secret. God's being very serious here. Christians... Imitate your Father. Walk in love. Walk in light. There should be a complete difference in the way that we approach life because we're, we're walking in the light, not in the dark any longer. It should change the way that we live and the way that people see our lives. How, how does that work for you? What does that look like to walk in love, to walk in light? See, that's Paul's description of being an imitator of God. I want to be like Dad. Walk in love. Walk in light. Allow those things to be the things that characterize. That, what he's saying is, I want you to look like me, act like me, sound like me, think like me. In all the things that you do, I, I want your life to begin more and more to resemble the life of me, your father. Now, you may say, well, that's, well, that's pretty ta tall order. <laughs> In fact, you might say, that's just not possible. I, that's just not something that I can do. Is this a, one of those God jokes? You know, God is going to give us something that, to tell us to do, and it's so unreasonable, and then he sits back, oh, ha, ha, he can't do that, and just frust. Is that what, would God do that? Jump up and touch the moon. Ha, oh, ha, ha, you can't do it. Would God do that in our lives? Would God throw us out something, and then it's so unreasonable, we can't reach it, we just squirm in frustration? I want you to be like your father. Ha, oh, ha, ha, you can't. God wouldn't do that to us. God loves you, and he's saying, what this life of being like the Father is possible. But how is that possible? How in any way can you be like a perfect heavenly Father? Well, there's one word that we haven't, we haven't addressed in this first verse. Most translation, the first word of the verse is the word therefore. Now, if you've been here at Calvary at all, you've heard me make this phrase. When you see a therefore, you need to find out what the therefore is Therefore, all right, okay, it gives you a context. It tells you that there's a connection here. What I'm about to say connects with what I've said before. And so he starts it off with a therefore, so let's look back. Let's see some of the things that kind of get us to the point where he's saying to imitate your father. If you go clear back to chapter 4, verse 1, he begins to talk about our walk. He says in verse 1, I, Paul says, urge you to walk 
in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Here's our, our lifestyle, our walk. It should be worthy of what God has called us to. Verse 17, he goes on to say, and you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That's the description of those who are without Christ, as those outside the faith, not as the Gentiles, in the futility of their, their minds. So he's talking about there should be a difference in your walk. And then he goes on in verse 18, because they are darkened in their understanding. But notice this, they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So there's a reason why non-believers act the way they do, because there's something wrong inside. They're, they're not, they're alien, they, they don't have the life of God in them because they do not know Christ, so they're just simply doing what is inside. That's what, by their nature, that's, that's what, it, without Christ, that's, so then he contrasts that, and this is what I want us to see. If you're a follower of Christ, this is us. Verse number 20, he says, but that's not the way you learned Christ. If you are a child of God, then, then there's something different. In verse 22, he tells us then, we're to put off our old self, which belongs uh, to your former manner of life, your, the way that you used to walk. Put that off, he says, and the things that are corrupt through deceitful desires. And then verse 24, he says, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's what, here's what Paul is trying to tell us. If you are a follower of Christ, there is something now that is different about you. Because if you notice, look at that phrase, you are created after the likeness of God. You have now been created in the likeness of your heavenly Father. If you are a new believer, if you're a believer in Christ, you are now, something has changed that you are now looking like. And so for you as a child of God, to resemble your father, that's natural because something has changed in you if you know Christ. God has started a work in you and he is, he is doing a work in your life that you are now not the same person you were before Christ. Literally, you are not the same person that you were before you came to Christ. In fact, if you take even go back a little bit further, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8, he talks about that it's by grace we're saved through faith. It's not anything we do, it's God's gift to us. But then in verse 10, he says this, but you are God's handiwork, or your translations say his workmanship, his masterpiece. You are a special creation of God. But look at this next phrase, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. If you're a child of God, you are a new creation. Corinthians says the old is gone, the new has come. God has, you have new DNA now. You have the, the spirit of Christ lives in you. There is something that has changed. How can I ever resemble my father? It's because the father has changed you. You are now one of his children. You have been created to follow him. You've been created to do good works, to do what God has called you. You've been created to act in righteousness. In fact, if you remember, we go back in verse chapter 5, verse 8, that one time you were darkness, but remember what he said, but now you're light in the Lord. You once were in darkness. That's where we all started without Christ. But if you know Christ, you're his child. You are now light in the Lord. Jesus told his disciples, he said, that you are the light of the world. And these verses are just confirming that, yes, you are the light of the world. So act like it. That's his point. Act like the Father. Mimic the Father. Your life should be changing. And here's how it, how it can ever start. Because as a child of God, he is changing you from the inside out. You're no longer the same person that you were. 
There's one key verse we, before we, we talk some practical words, but we don't, I don't want to miss this. We kind of skipped over verse 23 of chapter 4. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. See, when you accepted Christ, God changed your heart. The Holy Spirit moved in. He began, but now he's telling us that there's an ongoing process. This is, this is not I, the moment I'm saved. I never have issues again. It's an ongoing process of, of God changing you. But you renewing your mind. You putting your mind in the right things. You inputting the right things. You taking his word. You taking a relationship with him. You allow him to change by you inputting that. And you renew your minds. And as you do, you begin to see that you are able then to imitate, to mimic, to be like the Father. But it starts, I realize I'm one of his children, and then as I realize that, I let him change me piece by piece, and God begins to do that in your life. Until one day, it's like when you go to that Christmas party, you know, with all the family, and there's that aunt there that you haven't seen in years. She comes up and she says, oh, you look more like your father every day. You have that? And you go, oh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but thank you, right? You don't know what to say. Okay, so let's imagine this. There's a person that you knew before Christ, but you haven't seen them in a long time. You reconnect. They hang out with you a little while, and they make this comment. You know what? You're, you're not the same that you were before. Your, your mouth's a little different. Your, your temper seems to be under control. Some of those habits you had before, they, I don't see you bothered with those. There's something is different about you. Do you realize that's because it is? God has changed you. What they're really saying, and maybe they don't even know it, is you're looking a lot more like your father every day. That's what Paul's telling us. Be imitators of God like dear children. We know God's doing that work in us. But what is our part? What is it that we need to do to to continue this process. We, we do know it's a process. It's not an overnight take a pill and it's all fixed. It's, it's discipleship. It's maturing. It's growing. And God is doing this in our life. But what do we need to do in this process that God would want us to do to imitate the Father? I'm going to give you three phrases as we kind of put this in those practical terms. And it was unintentional, but it did kind of work out funny, as I, to me funny, that each of these words start with a letter, and if you put, look at the letters, it's A-W-W. When you see pictures like that, what's your first response? Aww. Okay, so maybe this will help you remember. Maybe not. Maybe I'm crazy. But anyway, I think these, these three letters maybe will help you remember because these are things I want to encourage you to help you in this. Becoming more like the Father. What does that look like for us? Let me give you some thoughts based on what we've looked at. Number one is this. Awaken to who you are in Christ. Awaken to whose you are. Awaken to the fact that you are a child of God. Understand and recognize not only what a privilege that is, what a, an amazing thing that you can call the creator of the universe Father, Abba. He actually tells us to refer to him, to know we have that connection. What an amazing thing. But let yourself think about what that means, that that becomes your true identity. I am different because I'm a child of God. That's my identity now. That's who I am. That's who, what has been changed in my life. You're not just a follower of some beliefs about God. You are in a personal relationship with the Father. 
with a perfect heavenly father. That's who you are. We've been looking at this verse in, in several different ways, but remember the verse, be imitators of God as beloved children. Don't, don't ever let that word beloved get old to you. You are a dearly loved child of God. Beloved means he, that's, a, that's a special. You are his favorite, literally, each one of us, because you're loved, you're beloved by God. And all those things, you're not just a churchgoer or a do-gooder or a shined-up sinner. You're a child of God. You are, you are a child of the king, a child of the creator. And let that sink into who you are and the fact that if that's true, that means that the Father is here. The Lord, the, the Spirit is changing you. You are a different person. Let that begin to, to, to make it be a part of your life, which begs the question, and I've got to ask it right here. Do you know that? Has there been a point in your life when you recognize that, first of all, I, I don't deserve being a child of the Father? And so I admit that I am just a helpless sinner. I have nothing I, to offer, but I believe that, the, that God wants me to be his child and he sent his son to make that possible and he died for my sins and he rose again and, and I realize that and I confess, I repent and I receive his gift of eternal life. Have you done that? Do you truly know that he is your father, that you are one of his children? That, that's the, the most important question you'll answer today is do I know that I have that relationship with God as my father? But once you do, once you know, yes, I have received that gift. He is my father. You recognize he is your life giver. He is your life changer. He is your transformer. He is your friend. He is your father. He is all of those, and you have become his child. And it takes us back to the verse we've seen over this past two weeks, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. See what great love the father has lavished, has poured out on us, that we should be called children of God, and my favorite part, and that is what we are. I am a child of God. That's who I am today. I don't care what you think of me. I'm a child of God. And that also means that as his, as his child, when I need help, he's going to put his arms around me and say, son, let me show you how to make this happen. Let me teach you how to do this because that's what the Father's doing. So I become more like him. So here's the thing. Awaken. It's like that in the morning, you know, when your eyes are just one eye at a time and everything's still a little foggy. And, you're, and then as things become clear, you begin to, to experience the things around you. Awaken to this fact. I'm a child of God. I'm different. I'm new. He has changed me. Number, number W, second word, welcome that reality of your new life. He says, remember, imitate God as children. That's what children do. They imitate their parents. So here's, here's what I'm saying. You're a child of God. You got that? All right, fantastic. I know I'm a child of God. Now, lean into the fact that now that brings with it great privilege and opportunity but great responsibility. Now it's my job for my life and for God to lean into what God is doing and, and to cooperate, to be willing to do what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do and, and let him change those things in my life that need to be changed so I can't really walk in love and walk in light. But I've got to recognize it's one thing to say I believe in a heavenly father. It's another thing to say as my father, I'm gonna become, I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna do what he's called me to do. And it's, it's now welcoming that reality. That is who I am. Now I want that to be my life. I want that to change in me. I want that by his grace, I'm going to intentionally walk in a new direction because I'm a new person. So I'm going to make sure that my direction is headed the right way. 
If you keep going down in chapter 5, there's, I think, an interesting verse. Uh, Verse number 14 of chapter 5. Because here's here's what we know. A a lot of us have kind of got this comfortable tolerance for where we are. And even if it's not necessarily the best, we kind of, over time, we get kind of comfortable. We get tolerant of, well, I'm not... I may not be where I need to be, but I'm not as bad as some others or what. And, and as Christians, we kind of get comfortable or we just kind of get complacent or we, in essence, retire from our spiritual growth. You know, we kind of put that aside and we just, we've reached a place. Here's the thing. God says, I'm working in your life. I want you to become like me. And that will be a lifelong process. So that's why this verse kind of stuck out to me. He said, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Hey, let's try that. Turn to the person next to you and say, awake, you sleeper. Just tell them that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you needed that right about now. I got you. Okay. Everybody awake? We're all awake now. Okay. Awake, you sleepers. Right? That very interesting phrase. But if you'll notice, even in, in most of your versions, you'll know it's a quote. Paul is actually quoting and if you go to the Old Testament, it's a combination of a couple of psalms. He, he takes and pulls some phrases out, and then he's quoting. But most historians believe that this phrase was part of a larger, it, maybe it was a prayer or a reading that would happen at a baptism, kind of like what we witnessed this morning. So here's what would happen. When the person that we saw baptized would be would dunked in the water, and then they come out of the water, and the water's dripping off, they would say, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What a great picture. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's what baptism is. It's a, you're awake now. You're alive. But Paul's not talking about baptism here. Paul's looking at a group of Christians, and he's saying, You need to be looking like your father. And it's possible that over years they have kind of lost that passion and now he's going, wake up, Christians. You're supposed to look like dad. You're supposed to walk in love, walk in light. Don't get comfortable in this life and what you're doing. Take the initiative to say, I'm not going to be satisfied with living this second-rate life or living in, you know, just kind of all right. I want to wake up and be what God has called me to be and to to be the image of my Father in this new life that I have in Jesus Christ. In fact, Romans chapter 6 gives us that picture with baptism when he says, therefore you're buried with him through baptism into death so that, or in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus died for you. He saved you. He changed you so you could live a new life. So buy into that. Lean into that. I, if I'm the same now that I was five years ago, that's an issue. If I'm the same as I was 10 years ago, or if I've slipped back, that's an issue because God is saying, I saved you. I changed you to live a new life, to grow in that walk, to walk in love and walk in light and be imitators of your Father. Welcome that new life. Last phrase is this. Walk carefully and confidently. You see, every day of our life, you're going to take some more steps. And very simply, as we read in this this next verse, verse 15, another time he uses the word walk, he says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Very simply, if you've ever seen a, a sign that says, watch your step, that's what he says. 
as believers, this is real life stuff. Every day you're going to face it. So he's saying, walk carefully, watch your step. Each step should be intentional. Each step you should be careful because there's an enemy who wants to destroy you. There's an old nature that wants to tear you. So watch your step. But he says also, not only carefully, but, but walk with confidence. Walk with realization. You're a child of God now. God is changing you. You've got his strength. You can renew your walk carefully and confidently because he says to do what you make the best use of your time. Or one version says, make the most of every opportunity. Walk with confidence. God's doing something in me. I've got a thing to do tomorrow, and I'm going to do it for him. I'm walking carefully, but I'm doing it with confidence because I'm a child of God, and he's changing me. What, when it, my life should be set on the fact of what would my father do in this situation? What would my father's reactions be? How would he respond? Because I'm to be imitating him, and so I'm going to walk carefully but confidently that he's going to give me the strength to do what he's calling me to do. And notice he says, because the days are evil. As I said before, our generation that we live in right now has great need to see this lived out in the life of believers. But here's what you gotta understand. As the evil days continue to get worse, this becomes more and more important for us as believers. The world has got to see a difference. They've got to see the love and the light of God. And he said the way they'll see it is when his children imitate him. When we act like that and we walk in love and we walk in light, the world sees a difference and they see that there is hope and they see that there is life. But our lives have got to look like our Father. There's a hurting, confused world that needs hope. And as we walk like the Father, live like the Father, we bring hope to this world. So let's go back one more time. Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Everything we do, everything we say, every attitude, needs to be growing, to the, and we're, we're going to make mistakes. I get that. But it should, we're growing in this relationship. We're becoming more and more like our Father. That's what he's doing in us, and that's what he tells us we should be doing with our lives. So as I wrap this up, I want to give you two questions. One is basically a follow-up to a question I asked earlier. Do you know that God is your personal Father? Not just a God you've heard about, or you've believed in his existence, but you truly know him personally because you've received the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Do you know God as your father? Have you admitted your need of a, sin, of, of a savior, believed that Jesus died for you, and repented and received his gift of salvation? Are you a child of God through Jesus Christ, his son? Second question goes to us, who are followers of Christ, those of us who are his children. Am I today imitating my father? Am I becoming more and more like my perfect heavenly father? As we've talked today, has there been anything that God has brought to your mind that he's saying, you know what, we're, we're all in this process, but here's an area you need to work. Here's a, an attitude, here's an action, here's something that does not look like me. Here's an area of love or an area of light, something that needs to change.
God says, I, I, I've given you the opportunity to watch me, to read, to learn about me, and now to act like me. Here's where you need to start. What's God said to you today about that? Let's bow our heads together. With our heads bowed and eyes closed. Give you a chance to answer those two questions in your mind. And if you've not yet, if you're not able to answer that first question with confidence, yes, I know that God is my father, I'm his child, that my sins are forgiven. Let, let me encourage you to, to hear what God is saying. You are in this room for a reason. God wanted you to hear that his son died for you and that you need salvation. Would you receive his gift today? Would you call out to God who's sent his son and say, God, I am a sinner and I believe Jesus died for me. Please save me. Would you receive his gift of salvation today? And Christians, let's just, let's be honest in this, in this quiet moment. God, I, I, I've got a ways to go, so what's my next step? What do I need to do today, this week? What does my life need to do to reflect you in a clearer way to the world around me, to look more like my Father? Father, thank you that we can call you our Father. Thank you that you are real, personal, loving, perfect Father. And because of that, we can know you. We can know who you are and, and what you expect, what you do, and then we can walk that direction. God, show us. For every child of God in this room, just renew that desire. Renew that confidence that you're children and then, then that desire to just walk in your footsteps. Please, Lord, help us to practice what you've put into our hearts today and to daily, intentionally, confidently take a, a step toward what you want us to do to be like you. And Father, if there's one under the sound of my voice that's without Jesus, please draw them. Let them know before they leave today that you are their Father. Their sins are forgiven. That they're one of your children. Father, please. As Garrett continues to play, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Give you a moment to pray to the Father personally about maybe what he said to you. If you today, you know your, your heart says, I want to know what it means to be a child of God. I'd love to, I'd love to show you what that looks like. As soon as this service is over, I'd love to just open the Bible or have someone open the Bible with you and show you what that means. Talk to the person who brought you today or maybe even just put it on a card and say, Pastor, would you call me? I'd love to, to today be able to walk you and point you to a relationship with our Father God. So I give you time to pray this morning and just take what God has said and let's commit it back to him in prayer today.